Okay, yeah. Skit, skit, skit. This phrase is also... <laughs> no, skeet, skeet, skeet. No, it's like... Okay. Is that a thing? Okay, let's make my life easier and just do that. All right, I'm going to go... This girls. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Echo Chamber. Welcome today, Adam Oltman. Yo, I'm Heike, happy to be here. <laughs> Pierce Conway. <laughs> and as always, I am your host, Russell McBride. These guys are just trying to flex. <laughs> no cap. So we will uh, we'll come back to these words at the end of the show. Uh, we're going to talk about a new segment. We're going to be doing trendy words with Altmans. Yeah. Um, so get excited for that. Listen through the show and hang on for the end there. You know, we talk, when we were talking about topics today, uh, I mentioned, hey, guys, let, let's talk about Jacob Blake. Let's talk about the protests that are going on. And, and Altmans made the statement he said again. And, and I think you clarified, and I'll let you clarify again, just this reality, like, why do we have to keep doing this? Like, why? Yeah, I think, for, so what I was saying about that was not, oh, do we have to do it again? Just the realization of, well, we've done an episode on this before, back with George Floyd and, and Mr. Obagbina. And you realize when you say, again, we're doing this again. Mm-hmm. And, and not from a, a roll of my eyes standpoint, it's more of a, I can't believe that it's still happening. Uh, that, uh, well, I mean, I shouldn't say I can't believe it. It just seems like it's happening over and over and over, and it's just awful every time. So, Yeah, so, I mean, the situation essentially being the police had rolled up on a domestic uh, violence situation. Jacob Blake had kind of gotten in the situation to help. He was walking away. I don't know the whole story about the altercation and things that happened, but essentially, the police officers chased him down, and he was shot seven times in the back while getting into his car with his kids. Uh, and presently, right now, he's in the hospital. He will live, but he was paralyzed waist down from this incident. Yeah, I think the—so, again, there's still—part of the problem is the police department in Kenosha is not really saying anything. So all we're left with is the video and what we can interpret. So please, we were acknowledging that we don't have the full picture. But from the video, and since the police department's not saying otherwise, it seems like a man who was not following police orders. Can we agree on that? Yeah, it looks like they were trying to get his attention and get him to stop, and he was walking away. So there's that. Um, He's walking into his car, and as soon as he opens his car door, a police officer opens fire seven times. Yeah. Seven times, shot. uh, Point blank, essentially. Yeah, his kids are in the car. And so for, for, I think, honest onlookers, we can acknowledge that, no, he was not following police orders, so that's problematic. But equally and more, well, I shouldn't say equally, more problematic is the police shooting a man in the back on the chance that he could be getting a weapon, but that's not police training, right? Right. Um, seven times um, there was opportunities, it seemed, before that to make Jacob Blake comply if you wanted to in a non-lethal kind of way. So it's really just upsetting and frustrating. And here I am, a white suburban male that um, has never felt endangered by the police ever, and I'm getting frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, imagine how people who've lived under this system feel. It's just, it's 
awful to watch because, and then it's awful that to put yourself in the same shoes. Like if you get into an altercation, um, let's say road rage incident, and the person, like you're trying to, person hits you, you get out of the car, you talk, the person tries to walk away, and you're like, oh, we, like we should stay here until police come. They try and get in their car. You say like, no, you need to stay, but they get in their car. You can't shoot them because they're getting in their car and not listening to your like commands. Um, that's just the, the part that gets me is like, take the police factor away. If two people were in a similar situation out in the real world, would those people not be, like would the person, the aggressor, not be charged with murder or at least some sort of manslaughter? manslaughter? Yeah. And, and, and I'll speak for myself because I don't want to speak for you, but I'm not anti-police in, in the slightest. Like I think the defund the police movement is a little bit absurd. There's better ways to go about it. Um, so I'm not trying to come at this from an anti-police perspective. We can acknowledge that, uh, yes, Jacob Blake should have uh, complied with the orders of the police officers. But as you said earlier today, uh, McBride, that even if he was doing something criminal, which we, there's no evidence of, that per, you don't des- he doesn't deserve to be shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, like, we can't say it loud enough, and, like, people can't say it loud enough like to repeat this phrase is like just because someone's a criminal doesn't mean they should be shot just because someone's disobeyed a police order just because i mean i fill in the list right it doesn't mean that force is necessary it's not to say that there are not moments where it's necessary for a police officer to use force and i'm not a police officer because i can't imagine being in a situation where i have to decide when to use force it's a tough job but my goodness like uh, it it just feels like these instances of officers using force in very unacceptable ways that are being highlighted. And given the rash of them uh, that are making high profile in news, because we know that it's not something that was dormant, but you would think that these officers in particular would have used a little bit more wisdom and discretion. Um, and it appears that the adrenaline got to them, uh, if I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. But um, you're an armed officer we can't afford you making bad decisions because of adrenaline there, there needs to be a change right um, and, and we could go to the old thing about you know training there needs to be better training and that's true that's why I don't believe in defund the police I think more money should be given to hire better people with better training um, but also ending this police impunity right Those, yeah. and yeah. we don't need to have that policy debate I guess but we definitely should another episode because I'd love to break down the ideas of defund the police. Yeah, I think, right. I mean, it's not always as simple as maybe just the phrase makes it seem. Right. Yeah. 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 Along with that, the NBA yesterday and several other uh, major sports leagues um, postponed their games uh, as a uh, form of protest against um, the actions of the police against George or Jacob Blake, uh, as well as the recurring um actions of police uh and the milwaukee bucks were the first ones to kind of set off that wave of protests and i was was reading an article today that talked about their process as they decided what to do so they're in game five of their series and they were in the locker room before the game and they they decided that they were willing to forfeit the game lose the like a critical game of their uh series in order to make a statement and they came up with that as a team and they, instead of going out on the court to warm up, which at the time that they should have, they 
we're on the phone with the Lieutenant Governor of Wisconsin. Uh, so that's where um, the Jacob Blake shooting occurred. And so they, they're like, what can we do to actually make a difference? And what can we do to actually cause this to change? And so they got on the phone with the Lieutenant Governor. Um, the Lieutenant Governor, I believe, was telling them the best way would be to try and get the Wisconsin State Legislature to act on a bill uh, that was introduced two months ago talking about police reform. Uh, so the state legislature in Wisconsin is Republican controlled. They took no action on the bill that was proposed. And so the Lieutenant Governor said, this, if this is what you want to do, you need to put pressure on and get other people to put pressure on um, the state legislature to act on this bill. So it was a really cool example of civic action uh, by the team. They, they wanted to take action. They try to figure out the best way to do it. And they were willing to like take a loss in a game in order to do that. They didn't end up officially forfeiting the game because the other team, I can't remember who they were playing against, agreed to just postpone the game. And then a series of other games were postponed as well. But ultimately the Bucks were willing to lose the game in order to um, make a meaningful statement, uh, which was, was really cool to see and see them like step away from sports, step away from the, they've been waiting three, four months in order to get back on the court and they're the number one seed or the number two seed in the East, the East West. I, I'm not a big NBA guy, East. but they're like a really good team with a really good chance of competing for the NBA championship. And this game, like doing that would really put that in jeopardy, but that's the decision. They said, this is more important than basketball. This is more important than what we work as our job every day for. Yeah. And I don't want to like miss this, uh, this point because I know a lot of people listening are frustrated by the protest and there's a whole bunch of people who inside their echo chamber hey um, their main concern is oh the Marxism in all these protests and all this kind of stuff and and whilst there is something to talk about there let's just get let's, let's not pass up the opportunity to say that when, when players and leagues are doing this um, for a cause that you don't like right that doesn't make it Marxist the idea of protest and free speech is as American as it gets. And so it is. It's, it's, it's beautiful in that way to see that these um, athletes and these prominent voices have the ability to control what Americans are, are thinking about and forced to confront. And so, yeah, when I saw that, it's cool. And I hope they... I hope there's more to come in the sense of um, I don't want people to um, to stop paying attention to it, and I and I think that this group of athletes in particular can actually play a much bigger role in in how we move forward. But anyway, I just wanted to kind of clarify that you know this isn't a a left versus right issue. The protest that is as American. If you're an American, you should love the fact that people are able to, to protest in this way. And it goes all the way back to Colin Kaepernick. Love him or hate him. Disagree with what he did or not disagree. He had the right to do it. And it was a, as American as you can get in, in, in protesting. So, I think those are all fair points. Uh, we don't have time to dive into this topic, but I just wanted to be mentioned because it's a current event. And I think there's a juxtaposition to be made in this situation. So there's a a kid, Kyle Rittenhouse, had his mom drive him down to the protests um, in Kenosha with his uh, AR-15. 
um, went down to defend some stores, doesn't live there, doesn't own the stores, actually not even allowed to have a rifle. It was against the law. They're supposed to be 18, open carry. Ended up shooting three people. Uh, two died. One lost their arm. Uh, there was a, a, a pass by with the police, right, where uh, he mm. even vocalized that he shot people um, and, like, was able, went home, slept the night, and was arrested peacefully the next morning. Yeah, I think that that is, when I, when I was piecing this all together, in a nutshell, that is what groups are decrying, is that here's this man who is shot by police uh, in, in an unjustified manner, at least as far as we know. Kenosha PD still waiting. Um, and here is this other kid who breaks all sorts of laws just to get there and to have a weapon, shoots and kills, and don't stay in self-defense because he put himself in that position, uh, and then runs by the SWAT team, hands up saying, I killed somebody, and they don't even stop. They just drive by and, and go to the protesters. To me, that is in a nutshell what the problem is. Right. Yeah. It's it's hard not to see. It's hard not to see it there. And, and I think, Oldman, you mentioned this before the show, just the idea, I think I said, how how does someone do that? And you said, well, he's stuck in his echo chamber. And, I mean, there it is again, this reality that that he's stuck in this echo chamber of like, oh, what I have to go do right now is pick up a gun. He's 17 years old. I have to go pick up a weapon with a willingness to kill people, yeah. to, to put an end to to what he's hearing. That's why it's so important to surround yourself with different ideas and ideas that you don't agree with so that you're hopefully gauging other people's perspectives and that you realize maybe I, maybe I shouldn't take my gun down to the protest. We just want to mention the Republican National Convention and the Democrat National Conventions have gone on. Uh, the Republican Convention just finished last week and the Democrat finished the week before that. Does anybody have any just kind of big top-down thoughts over what happened, maybe what people seem to be thinking about them? Do they even make any difference? Yeah, I mean, that's that last question is a really interesting one. Um, but from the Democrat convention, I think the takeaway that I heard from, because I, I didn't watch it, and neither did most Americans, uh, but um, when I was reading analysis of it, the main takeaway from it would be that uh, you know Joe Biden delivered a, a speech with no problem, which was what a lot of people no were going to see. Yeah, uh, but the the convention seemed to be really focused around you know a um, the problems that have been created according to the Democrats under a Trump presidency, and then b that Joe Biden is the compassionate human being that America needs to shepherd us through all the um, trying times that this country's going through. Yeah, and I think you're right. It, it seemed like both conventions were built, building the shield around their candidate. During the DNC, they were humanizing Biden. They were talking about his son and all the things he's done over the past many years. They were kind of like almost preparing him for the attacks that are coming from Trump soon. And I feel like they did a similar thing with Trump. I, I don't know if you guys saw Melania's speech, but she very much humanized him. I, I thought it was of note that she called him Donald. She she humanized this guy who's her husband and talked about all of these great things he's done. So I, I think both parties are, in a sense, trying to say, okay, America, here's our candidates. These are good guys. And they want America to truly believe that. Who do you think came away with more of a 
clear direction of where they want to take the country? Or did they both do that equally well? I didn't, I didn't watch either one, to be honest. Yeah, I, obviously I'm the loser of the group here as the individual who watched the conventions. Um, I think if you look at the DNC convention, their goal was to reach a particular voter. Uh, they're trying to win the moderates. Uh, it very much appealed to that. Um, there were uh, Biden's speech itself was very middle of the road, wasn't pushing any huge progressive agendas. I think the Democrats did what they needed to do. Uh, I don't think it's going to move the needle for him anymore as far as winning votes. And then I think Trump, I, I, I mean, this is, we're recording this on a Thursday. He hasn't given his main speech yet. But I think for Trump, so far they have successfully kind of stirred up in their base what they needed to. And they're trying to provide him with some empathy, which a lot of people are saying Trump has been lacking during the pandemic. So whether or not they've done that successfully, we'll see. Uh, overall, I don't think either candidate is going to have um, a large bump at the polls from this. Even in a normal year when we have them in person, the bump generally dissipates after a week or two. The conventions just aren't what, what win you votes. Yeah, and I think especially this year, we talked about this a little bit just kind of privately, but it seems like at this point, most people have made up their mind. And that's true all the time, I guess. It just seems like there's even less people who are waiting to decide, you know, who is going to be swayed by the debate. Um, it seems like we're that polarized that you're not finding that middle who's critically evaluating now who's, who is the candidate they want to choose. So, um, yeah, I don't know how important the convention is at this, this point. I learned uh, something really interesting this past week. Um, I had a canvasser come for Aaron Perry, Perry. Uh, who's like, uh, I'm not sure, she's got an accent over the E. We'll post the um, pronunciation in the show notes. But, so she's uh, running for the NC House, I believe, and she's like in the Apex District. Um, so I had a canvasser come, um, talk to him for a while. They just had, kind of went through a few poll questions and then uh, made a pitch for Aaron P. Um, <laughs> And, and so then I, I was talking to one of my neighbors about it, and he was like, oh, yeah, they probably picked you because they identify you as either an independent, moderate, or a weak, like, Democrat, or a weak Republican. I was like, how would they know, and how would they be able to, like, classify me as one of those things? He said, oh, well, there's apps that pull together all of, like, voters' history, and they can, like, put people into categories of, oh, this person is usually votes Republican, but they voted Democrat last time, so they're a weak spot that we should target. So he pulled up the app and showed me, and it has like little houses, and it pops up with either like independent or moderate, and then like a weak Republican, like weak Democrat, um, and it like physically shows you on a map, and you can see which houses are on there, and that's what the canvassers, uh, at least for Aaron P, uh, were targeting. Wow. So was, yeah. Wow. I did was, not know that. It was a mind blowing experience to like see that app and see what can't people involved in political really, canvassing can I mean, I've, I've known all of this is like a lot of it's public information but the fact that there's apps that are like making it that easy that's crazy i guess yeah i knew that it was public record too and it's foolish of me not to realize that they would do this sure but uh wow all right so i didn't know voting record was public information i knew that like your party affiliation if you affiliate with a party was public but apparently they can track the individual votes that you've made which i i didn't know was yeah what's legal? the point of a secret ballot well yeah. so the what they're 
what they're getting your party based off of is the primaries, whether or not you voted in the Republican or the Democrat primary. That's what they can see. Oh, uh, so it's they only... can't see in the general election whether or not you voted Democrat or Republican. I was gonna say they can just okay. see your primary history and where you're registered. So okay. if if they let's say in 2016 you voted in the Republican primary, and in 2020 you voted in the Democrat primary, and you're a registered independent. Most likely, you would probably fall in the category that so, they're saying. And you don't need to tell me what you're registered, but are you affiliated with either party? No, so I'm a registered. You're probably uh, unaffiliated. Unaffiliated, right? yeah. which means I can vote in either primary. Right. So that's yeah. what I am too. So they. So right, because we. If you don't know, in North Carolina is a semi-closed primary, where if you're unaffiliated, we get to choose if we want to vote on the Republican primary ticket or the Democrat primary ticket. If you're Republican, you can only vote Republican ticket. If you're a Democrat, you can only vote Democrat. So this is all three of ours plug to say register unaffiliated. Yeah. It's a benefit in this state. Yeah. So one thing, I'm going to get your hot takes real quick. I'm surprising you guys with this topic, but we have a lot of teachers who listen to this podcast. So Governor Roy Cooper just released his budget last night, and he has promised you fine educators a one-time $2,000 bonus. Happy, not happy, angry, what's your hot take? So that is the at the expense of a like salary schedule. No raise. Correct. Two thousand dollar bonus. Well, gimme, 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 right? Because I don't think I don't think <laughs> I was scheduled for a bigger raise than that this year. Fair. I'll take it. Fair, Conway. I mean, it all. If you're looking at purely from the perspective of long term gains, we'd be better off with uh, modest raise in our salary schedule but you can't can't disagree with two thousand extra dollars in my pocket now that then you can invest and turn into more money in the future and so that like that's the conversation right it's like i'm not going to say no to a two thousand dollar bonus yeah but if we go back to 2019 right democrats and republicans were locked in this debate cooper wanted a nine percent raise for teachers right looking for big money but he also wanted the Republicans to pass an extension to Medicaid. Republicans were looking for a 3.5% raise for teachers. They had signed portions of the budget. Republicans finally pushed it up. Their last offer to Cooper was a 5% teacher raise with a $2,000 bonus at the end of 2019. Gimme, gimme, gimme. McBride, exactly what was the percentage raise that we ended up getting? Well... Locally, we got a 1% cost of living raise. <laughs> State level, we have a 0%. Did it go negative? Because I felt like it made it go negative percent. Well, if you, we did not lose money. Not this time. So I, I'm going to post a link down below. I, if you're teachers and you're listening right now, this is, it, it's a conversation I've had with a lot of now, teacher friends. Yeah, I mean, can I interrupt here? Absolutely. Because teacher friends, hello, welcome to the Oatman's Lounge. Um, no, the Run. reason, the reason Run. <laughs> you might want to stop listening right now. Um, but there is a that's it's interesting because we have talked about this, me and you, and it's you know when McCrory was in office, a Republican, and it was all about you know give the teachers raises, uh, we're gonna march downtown, they don't care about us, and then yeah, this this Roy Cooper who, out of principle, I guess, was not going to negotiate. And he was supported by the teachers' union He's in North supported. Carolina. Where is the outcry? Where is it? Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that from a partisan angle. It just, again, we're in our own echo chambers. That's why we call it this. 
is are you outraged with the party that you dislike and have a distaste for or are you outraged by the situation with teachers and I think that's hard sometimes for people to to confront and engage because absolutely I think that what the Republicans were offering was uh, a reasonable deal and, and so now we're stuck with you know I think what would we get $350 over the summer I, I don't know if we've received it yet, but I think we're yeah. supposed to from the state. Yeah. That'll get taxed. Now we got a bonus, and that'll get taxed. We're not left with any really anything. And, and I think the unfortunate reality is is that we were we were put as the 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 we were put as the bargaining chip by Cooper to get Medicaid passed. Teachers' mm-hmm. pay was the only one left as far as passing the budget. And, and look, I, I can totally understand the perspective of supporting Democrats. It can feel sometimes like they're the main advocate for education. But if we just focus on North Carolina and we just look at the history of the two parties, the Republicans have increased teacher pay substantially while they were in power in comparison to Democrats. Now, and don't, don't discount that for the reality that I'm thankful that we're in the middle of a economic crisis and we still have our jobs and we're getting a bonus. There's something to be said for that. Sure. But we could have had a 5% raise. <laughs> I, I just find the, the lack of outrage or the lack of holding the governor accountable. To me, it seems like maybe that that's a political reason why people aren't doing that. But uh, I'm a little bit more cynical and maybe, maybe I haven't been listening as closely to others, but so I maybe, think I'm right. Maybe the takeaway is if we're going to fight for teacher pay, let's fight for it whether it's a Republican, a Libertarian, or a Democrat in office. Yeah. Let's call it out when we need to call it out. Okay. Yeah. I got a lot of hate for not, uh, for not going to those marches, actually. And, uh, you know, I told them I thought that the NCAE and all that were just basically pawns, and I, don't, I didn't like the political nature of the protest because it was more than just teacher pay included in there. So I got a, a lot of hate for it. But, you know, here it is, and teachers still, I mean, I wouldn't say that our, our situation has gotten any better, any different. And um, I'm just wondering where those outspoken voices are now. Is it just because there's a Democrat in the mansion? You know, I don't know. It's a fair question. Okay, so we've brought enough heat there. So we're going to move on to our lighter topic again this week, and we gave you a little bit of a, a preview there, but it is called Trendy Words with Oltman. So... We have a list of words. We're all just going to talk through some definition of words. We're going to try to start working into our classroom, and that is no cap. So, yeah, very good use of one. And I feel like I should host this uh, this segment. Um, so I am very well known around these parts for being able to use slang appropriately and well. Um, and it just it surprises me. The worst out of all of us appears to be Conway, who is the youngest out of all of us. Um, it's not my specialty. I just I can't wrap my mind around facts. That. It's not facts. my it's not my forte. See that and I, now I love an expanded vocabulary. That's that's totally fine, but uh, you know try a little bit like like McBride over here. But there's something about just sitting around spilling the tea. Big yikes, bro! About all these different words we're using, you know. So so yeah, what, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go around. We're gonna talk about these. Uh, if in case you're at home, we're gonna put this in the 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 description. We're getting these from familyeducation.com and so this is a mommy blogger of some sort that has helped us out by collecting a list of them and can we clarify the title is a parent's guide to the latest teen slang (laughs) oh cringe worthy all right russell 
Mr. McBride, you first. Let's start out with extra. So saying that someone is extra, right? Uh, it's kind of used, in, it can be used in a self-deprecating way. Someone's gone over the top. So I might say in this segment, Mr. Oldman's is being a little extra. Um, I think you're capping a little bit there. but Or like I went to the store and my carton of eggs had an extra egg in it. No, that would be inaccurate. Yeah, or like Dwight Schrute is sometimes a little extra when it comes to fire drills. Yes. Yeah, that would be that would be. Or like when I'm packing my Undo P. I'm packing my gym bag and I know that I'm gonna need an extra pair of socks. (laughs) And I'd be like, Conway, your socks are a little extra in number. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Okay, Adam, why don't you go next? Yeah, we're going to, and just to be clear, why I'm going next is because Conway is still trying to figure out what these words mean. <laughs> it's so crazy. He's so young. What in the world? All right. So, first of all, let's do a little trivia. Add some trivia music here for me. Here's a word that is slang, but it's actually not slang. All right. I found this out in, in class. I would talk about, you know, maybe like a, a political figure getting a lot of clout, and students would all laugh. And I, would, and, I, and I was like, why are you laughing? Like, oh, you're trying to be hip and cool. So clout is a word they use to mean exactly what the word means. And so they thought I was like using slang, but they were just actually using a vocabulary term. Um, so that's your trivia. Wait, hold on. Clout in teen language yeah. means the same as clout in adult language? Yes. Wow. So if they're like, yo, uh, Miss Hoffman has a lot of clout. They would be saying that to be funny and use slang, but they would also be using it correctly. It's like, did you use a synonym finder when you were writing your essay and found clout? Yeah, someone was on Grammarly and, and found it, yeah. Fair enough. Okay, right. Conway, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. I, I've heard the kids say this. Um, my <laughs> word of the day is bee's knees. When you refer to something as the bee's knees, it means that it is of excellent or very high quality. One so, of my favorites. When I hear the kids use it, uh, I like, do you like my new Skechers? I think they are the bee's knees. <laughs> I, I'm dead. I'm dead. Isn't this... This is a, also in the office, right? Where Daryl teaches Michael Scott. Bippity-boppity. The handshakes. This is not uh, fake slang. This, this is real. This I've heard is, the kids use it. This is about the level of slang that you're going to get from Mr. Conway. Well, you know what they say, I am the bee's knees. Well, if you have any of us in virtual classes, just make sure to teach us some of the new words that you guys are using these days uh, and maybe give Conway a little extra assistance. If you have me in class, you are luckier than moss on a Mississippi tree stump. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is where we're going to have to end this one. If you like this segment, uh, just let us know. On Twitter, we'll put our handles down below in the notes. I, I know we talked about a lot of different things in the show today. Um, some stuff that was pretty difficult, uh, some stuff that was pretty fun. But hopefully you're enjoying the podcast. If you do, just go ahead and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again for joining us today, Adam Oltmans. Low-key, that was straight fire, bro. And Pierce Conway. May you have a great day. (laughs) And as always, I'm Russell McBride. We will see you guys next week.